first met today's guest via Twitter in 2014 in the immediate aftermath of Michael Brown's murder in Ferguson, Missouri. And just a few short months later, I moved to Memphis where we became fast friends, or at least I feel like we became fast <laughs> friends. I don't know if Andre will say the same thing. <laughs> An associate professor of rhetoric and media studies at University of Memphis. Our guest recently co-authored a book with Amanda Nell Edgar entitled The Struggle, the Struggle Over Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, which we'll be discussing in just a moment. Please give Dr. Andre Johnson a warm Malhai theology welcome. Well, thank Andre, you. thank you for thank being you. with us tonight. And thank you for having me on tonight. It's good to see you again, my friend. And yes, you are my friend. <laughs> Don't, don't try well, to play strange now. <laughs> exactly. You know, you you. I think when I moved from Memphis, you were not a book author yet, and now you are. So that's why I'm, I was asking because you know when people start writing books, oh lord, <laughs> they start acting brand new. So uh, no, no, I just no, want no, to no. make sure. No, I, I I just had not um, done this book as of yet, but you know. Uh, oh, you had already done the. Henry I already Turner done book. one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, and um, and I was much better uh, person and minister and uh, just a better servant unto the Lord because God brought you into my life. So I am just so thankful. Well, you, you know, it's mutual. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. It, it, I've I've been wanting to have you on Malachi Theology the whole time you've done it, and and what a gift because. Now, you know, with the pandemic, we're all, we're remote. So we're able to have right. out of town guests in a way that we weren't right. before. So this this is really amazing. Thank you again. Um, if you could just set up your new book for our audience by framing the, the timeline yeah. of the hashtag Black Lives Matter and the hashtag All Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, again, thank you for... Um, having me and thank you for, uh, and all of the people who, um, you know, produce this, who um, are in charge of um, assisting you and helping and bringing me here. Um, this book, uh, originally we uh, first published this in 2018. The hardback mm -hmm. version came out um, just this past summer. The paperback version was released and uh, it came out right at the time when we had a lot of the summer uprisings in mm. 2020. So right in the midst of COVID, right in the midst of the death of George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, um, Rashad Brooks, and a whole host of others, uh, the book drops and there was mm. renewed interest in Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. So. But basically what the book is, and and actually you were in Memphis when we first began to work on it. Back in 2015, we started to interview uh, uh, people that um, would subscribe to hashtag Black Lives Matter, and then people who would subscribe to hashtag All Lives Matter. And mm -hmm. basically what we did was um, we brought them into a room uh, and we asked some questions about, you know, 
um, your social media usage on these hashtags? How do you wow. engage with your neighbors? How do you engage with uh, others? Uh, what role does faith play? Um, chapter hmm. three is what I like to call the faith chapter or the religious rhetoric chapter uh, of the book where um, what we've discovered is that a lot of the folk who subscribe to Black Lives Matter, as well as all lives matter, but especially Black Lives Matter, because up until that point, a lot of people were thinking and believing and arguing even um, that BLM had nothing to do with the church, had nothing to do with religion, mm -hmm. had nothing to do, it was all outside of the church. But what we discovered is that a lot of people um, showed up at uh, protests and at rallies, um, engaged with others on social media, why? Because they felt uh, called by their faith. So mm. uh, when we were asking all of these questions and we got the transcripts back and we began to look at them, uh, my co-author, I uh, got to shout her out, Dr. Amanda Neal Egger, who actually conceived first of this project and asked me, would I want to partner with her? So I'm always in, uh, uh, indeed grateful for her uh, friendship and her um, allowing me to be a part of this. But um, once we started looking at this, we said, well, you know, should we just put out a couple of articles or should we just turn this into a book? And then we began to start working on it. Um, mm -hmm. The good folk at Lexington Books uh, agreed that we had something and voila, here's the book. So basically the book is about... Um, individuals that we have interviewed and um, talked to about mm -hmm. their own journeys using hashtag Black Lives Matter, using hashtag All Lives Matter, and um, how not only does it affect them, but everybody in their own uh, sphere of influences, their friends, their relatives, their neighbors, their churches, and so on and so forth. So that's wow. it. In yeah. without me reading the introduction. <laughs> well, and I think right. one of the things that, that, that struck me early on, and you may have been the person who pointed this out to me, is just doing a, um, a cursory search yeah. of, of terms used on Google by mm -hmm. year. Mm. And, yeah. and, and one sees the hashtag Black Lives Matter is used a little in 2013, spikes right. in 2014 right. and then all lives matter right. usually and I, I haven't looked in, right. in 2020 mm. but in years past mm -hmm. when black lives matter spikes all lives matter spikes right so so can i know this wasn't planned but i would love to hear your analysis of why all lives matter as a hashtag always right. It, it, it started actually in reaction, I believe. Right, exactly. To no, Black Lives right. Matter. So can you say a little bit right. more about kind of that origin story? Well, well, actually, no, no, you're right on target. Um, all lives, hashtag All Lives Matter is a direct response to Black Lives Matter. Not Black Lives Matter. No, All Lives Matter. And basically mm. what Black Lives Matter advocates were saying, well, if All Lives Matter, I, didn't, I wouldn't have to say Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Unless you don't think Black Lives Matter. You know, and then we get into those uh, games of semantics. But what we found uh, in our interviewing um, of people who were subscribed to All Lives Matter um, is that 
it was just more complicated than that. It was just not a just a visceral response to Black Lives Matter. Matter of fact, a lot of Black people, Broderick, um, decided to be in the All Lives Matter um, camp because hmm. it was their belief that all lives did indeed matter. And mm -hmm. Black lives can only matter, their argument, if all lives matter. So instead of saying Black lives matter, and then some people would say, well, we should say Black lives matter too, because it seems as if Black lives matter is so, so um, separate from all the lives ever. And of course, we know that it was never meant that way. So mm -hmm. you had people on that side talking about all lives matter. Why? Because of my faith. I wanted to talk mm. about being inclusive. I don't want to, you know, separate or anything. And then what we discovered is that all lives had to matter because of there were some, and we didn't understand it at the moment, but there was some, mm. some fear that was mm. deeply embedded in some of, of the respondents from all lives matter about babies being kidnapped and um, 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 children being trafficked and, and some wild and crazy stuff. Like they were saying that all lives matter. Those kids over their lives matter. They were being kidnapped. Now, we didn't understand that at the moment. But are you Come on, come, go ahead. Would you, are would you, you saying that this was in some way kind of the early origins of QAnon? There you go. You already got wow. it. Wow. And what we we actually did a uh, a talk not too long ago, and and we mentioned this. We were like, wait a minute. We were on the early cusp of the QAnon um, situation. Let's just say that the QAnon uh, uh, folk, and they were in the room talking about all lives matter not at a negation, um, at least verbally, not at a negation mm -hmm. of Black Lives Matter, but trying to include these other lives that apparently we did not know anything about, that they have been reading about, that they have been studying, and they have been you know, on their web pages and in their uh, social media feeds. So All Lives Matter was a um, convoluted, different type. Now, BLM was BLM, which you would probably expect. But this All Lives Matter was just this convoluted um, 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 condoldrum of just different topics and ideas and ways of thinking. Now, you brought up 2020, though. Mm -hmm. We have now, because we are in the middle of um, contemplating on doing a second book, a follow-up mm -hmm. um, behind the uprisings that happened this past summer. And uh, because we saw a difference in the acceptance of Black Lives Matter this summer, mm -hmm. all of a mm -hmm. sudden now Black Lives Matter was like hot, right? And everybody was yeah. like, I need to do Black Lives Matter. I mean, you, you couldn't go anywhere without anyone talking about Black Lives Matter. A lot of more people started to come out in the midst of a pandemic, in the middle of a pandemic. People were marching and rallying and, and staying up late at night and staying out in the streets all night long because um, they witnessed 
the brutal murder, and I use the word murder, I don't bite my tongue when I say that, murder of George Floyd. And so All Lives Matter has now gone um, um, down or gone away or moved out of the lexicon. So you're not going to find that anymore. You're going to find more QAnon. You'll find more um, um, critiques against BLM as being Marxist and fascist. And, you know, um, uh, and with the other um, um, trope, defund, you know, associated with defund the police and all of that. Mm-hmm. So those are the critiques now, but all lives matter is kind of faded away. So what we are thinking about doing is following up and talking about the change or the acceptance now or the perceived acceptance. I like mm-hmm. to put it that way of Black Lives Matter because um, we're beginning to see now the um, wave of backlash that is coming. Uh, And we saw it, I think, uh, in this election, this past uh, presidential election. Hmm. Fascinating. And I, you know, you know, if I were not in conversation with you, I would definitely, I mean, have no idea that All Lives Matter was in some way connected to the early days of, of QAnon. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean I've seen... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I live, I live very close to, to our state capitol. And so every protest that's, you know, that's held at the capitol, I see, you know, at least part of it. And in the summer, I had been hearing about QAnon and, mm-hmm. you know, hearing about this conspiracy theory, et cetera, et cetera, but really didn't know anything about it. And, and then it got kind of mixed in with the election. And then sort of the time I was hearing about it on cable news, I'm sitting in my kitchen right, right here working. Mm-hmm. And um, I see a group of people, it's about a dozen people walking by with signs mm. that, that, Basically, it was around the time of George Floyd, but they're walking by with signs that say, basically, these children matter too. And they're talking about, um, you know, the children who are, you know, all of this is a conspiracy theory, but who are part of this cabal, this global cabal, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, And it really came home to me that, oh my goodness, this is, this is not something that can even be laughed off. I mean, this is very serious. There are people who are earnest about this and it's deeply concerning. Um, so I had no idea about kind of the, the history and, and the connection to All Lives Matter. Right. So and along those lines, let's go back to 2014, 2015, 2016 yep. in, in many ways. I'm a person who sees online, you know, just, I'm a, you know, just a, a normal person online, on Facebook, on Twitter, anywhere. And I see a black person post Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I I have a, a negative reaction to that, or I kind of pause and say, I, you know, this is just too particular. This is too mm-hmm. and and I kind of retort all that, but don't all lives matter, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. When I do that as a as a as an individual, where where is that coming from? You know, you've written this book. 
Right. When you hear from your responders who you respondents who use all lives matter as a hashtag, where is that coming from? Sort of emotionally, spiritually, personally. Well, in the beginning, it was a direct response to Black Lives Matter. Um, mm. I think gaining traction, people began to talk about it a little bit more. You began to see a trend um, even more on social media. So people wanted to kind of blunt that. Um, but at mm. a deeper level, a level rather, at a deeper level, I've always believed and um and a few of the interviewees kind of um, attested to this. It was always a blunt on Black Lives Matter because if, when I say all lives matter, I didn't have to deal with what I knew what you were saying about Black Lives Matter. That mm. the reason why you have to say Black Lives Matter is because for many folk, I just leave it at that. Many folk, black lives do not matter. Matter. Yeah. Black lives matter is an affirmation, but it's also a reminder, not only of the person who's saying it, but of, of, of the person, the other, that black lives matter. And when I just come right on in and all lives matter, then I don't have to deal with me sitting in that pain or that frustration mm. of what Black Lives Matter really, really means. Because what when do you see Black Lives Matter on social media? Typically and usually when Black lives are snuffed out mm. in a public space and place. I'm mm. thinking about, and I, I just the um, um, the young guy's um, name escaped me right now. That's right outside of Denver. And, um, oh, Elijah McClain. Elijah McClain. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, Elijah McClain. And um, and and what what happens is that with with Elijah McClain, the event happens and it gets buried, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, months later, just like with Brianna, just like with a whole host of others. All of a sudden, people are realizing, wait a minute, there is this tape or there is this, this, this information that, wait a minute, you, you, this happened six months ago and you, we just knowing about this right now. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that pain, that frustration, so immediately, I don't want to deal with that. So all lives matter. And if mm. all lives matter, I can just lower the temperature just a little bit on the black lives, the particular black lives that you're talking about. And I can just say, hey, point over here, look at all these lives that are still living, breathing, living their life because, you know, hey, all lives matter. Or um, I can go clear now and just say, hey, those babies' lives over there matter. And no, you mm -hmm. know, all of that to negate and to just stop folk from actually sitting it's almost just like with pastoral care sometimes a lot of people don't want to sit mm -hmm. with others pain and one of mm -hmm. the most powerful things you can do um as a um servant of god or minister of the gospel is just to sit and hold the hand of someone that's going through struggle and strife and pain and quite frankly we don't like we want you to bounce back and just get up let's mm -hmm. go we don't want to hang with that so um 
that's my reading of all of all lives matter. Um, and then some of them were just trying to um, use it as a blunt instrument, just to be, you know, kind of um, messy and mm-hmm. and and and, mm-hmm. and and especially on social media. Uh, let me you let me create a word trolly. <laughs> yes, exactly. People and stuff like that, but 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 what our study did show is that there were we believe um, even though we don't subscribe to all lives um, to all lives matter in its holistic sense because black lives must matter uh, for all lives to matter. But mm. um, um, those were some people that did not mention any of that. What I just mentioned they were talking about other stuff as well, too. So I do want to say that as well. I'm Broderick Greer, host of Mile High Theology, and I'm joined by Dr. Andre Johnson, Associate Professor of Rhetoric and Media Studies for the University of Memphis and Senior Pastor and Founder of Gifts of Life, the Gifts of Life Ministries in Memphis, Tennessee. I forgot to mention that earlier. (laughs) Dr. Johnson, as we begin um, to wind down and and to our audience members, if you have any questions for Dr. Johnson, this this is the time to submit them. So please do that. Um, There are a lot of people who cannot say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And, and you've touched on what? that ambivalence and, and where that comes from. But I, I did want to make sure that people know that you're a pastor and, and you have yeah. theological training. You, you've taught in seminaries. Um, you're a, a religion scholar. So, so we, I, I would like for us to take this in a theological direction. Mm-hmm. Theologically. Yeah. Where do you think that ambivalence comes from? To it's say some, Black Lives Matter. The, uh, to say Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, the ambivalence. Uh, I can, yeah, 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 we can, um, I mean, I can go old school, right? I can just say sin. <laughs> <laughs> and and mm. then, woe unto you. Um, that is just sin. Because uh, not being able to, to affirm or to say Black Lives Matter is the negation of the imago dei, you know, image of God, mm-hmm. this whole foundation, the whole creation. Um, um, and you're taking a swipe, not at me, but at God, you know, mm. we can talk about it like that. We could talk about it because um, we can look at it rather um, as a negation of the humanness of others. Um, because mm. what do you... In order for me not to be able to say Black Lives Matter, what do I also have to do? I have to lie about Black Lives Matter. I got to make up stories. I got to demonize people Mm. who are associated even with Black Lives Matter, even if you are indirectly associated. You know, um, I got to make make it so horrible and bad uh, for me not to be able to accept uh, black Lives Matter, um, because Black Lives Matter is just a simple affirmation um, mm-hmm. of the humanity 
of black people. And let me just add, it's all Black Lives Matter as well, mm, too. Yeah. Can't say Black Lives Matter, then you start chopping them off. And well, not these lives over here, but you know, these lives over here. So it's mm-hmm. all Black Lives Matter because it is, again, speaking spiritually, it is the recognition um, of the image of God, the divinity in our dust, the mm. uh, hope and the um, joys and the pain and the suffering and the frustration. And the one of the things that, that frustrates me, um, actually, when I do try to do this work and I'm um, either when I'm you know, doing it academically or when I'm doing it at the church or trying to work mm-hmm. with uh, other people is the fact that part of this affirmation of black lives is also allowing black pain to manifest in public mm. and the black grief manifests in public a lot of times people cannot even not only understand it that's over here but people don't even want you after some something tragically has happened to your child or to your loved one mm-hmm. and for you not to be able to be angry to cry to cry out to curse even if that's what you want to do, to be just mad and angry, but you got to keep it together for the cameras. That's Mm. frustrating in and of itself. So when we do that, we deny, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is, but we deny a whole host of Old Testament scripture, especially our Psalms and our Lamentations Mm. and and, and the, the, the biblical writers who are always struggling with understanding why God, what, what's going on here, God, just take me now, God, if you're not going to come and do anything, just do something, Lord, I'm mad, and I want you to go get them, God, and all of those type of feelings, all of those type of emotions, the stuff that we talk about and teach about and preach about as valid emotions of a person of faith somehow gets negated when Black pain manifests. So we got to mm. apologize. We got to uh, accept apologies. We have to, uh, and, and quick, fast, and in a hurry as well, mm. too. So um, if we were talking about this theologically, when a person cannot say Black Lives Matter, what they're saying is, I cannot recognize the humanity of someone other than the people that I think God has so happen to ordain or bless. And we all know Mm -hmm. that this is not new at all. This is something that the church has been wrestling with and doing and affirming and creating whole theologies around it um, Mm -hmm. since the founding. Wow, amazing, great, great and succinct. Thank you. So someone has, has posed a great question yeah. um, from Facebook, and I, I love, love it. it. This person says, is the call of Black Lives Matter a form of prayer? Does it subscribe to the Benedictine rule that work is prayer and prayer is work? Yeah. Is it a lament or a form of praise or both? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about Benedictine, but his name Benedictine. 
Benedictine. <laughs> the, 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 you know the, you're dealing with Episcopalians. But I do know something about Fannie Lou Hamer saying praying with your feet and marching mm -hmm. and doing the things that you do. But no, I'm just teasing. But no, you're that. absolutely right. The whole um, notion of, 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 of protest. And there are some good articles out. I wish, you know, if I had known this question was come, I could put a, um, some links in the chat and stuff. But there are some good articles that talk about protests and prayer uh, uh, mm -hmm. being aligned. Um, mm -hmm. And um, this whole notion of working. Um, that's what, I mean, I will make an argument, um, whoever the um, questioner was, I will make an argument that the prophetic tradition itself is uh, uh, a, a form of prayer, a prayer of action. Mm. Uh, and, and this whole note, when you see people out in the street from, I mean, we can go as far back as civil rights, Dave, we can go even back further, where people are marching and protesting, um, and especially people of faith. Mm. They're just not doing it under their own power. Matter of fact, Mm. they're risking and we have talked about this before you know how I feel about this they're risking brother Broderick their uh, livelihood you, you don't yeah. know what's going to happen I mean I saw some of the stuff that was happening in Denver and Colorado Springs my brother y'all was out there you know you never know what's going to happen and it's much easier to stay inside so you pray up and you feel called and compelled to go out there and to put body on the line. That is a form of uh, prayer. That is a form, uh, protest is a form of prayer and it is a form of work that I believe that God uh, honors and God bless and, and, and God encourages because mm -hmm. God does call some of us to be out there to bring issue I mean, bring attention to the issue that really needs to be brought. I mean, when, I mean, so many people this summer got woke mm. because George Floyd died in, in on, on, you know, on TV in real time, mm -hmm. on social media, on a loop, eight minutes, 46 seconds. I mean, that was, that was like a horror show. That was a horror movie. And people mm -hmm. were like, oh my God, this, and then all of the stuff that folk were talking about since 2013, since uh, Alicia Gaza put out hashtag Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. Our Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. All of a sudden, seven, it took seven years. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you think about it, it took seven years for people to actually like, wait, well, they, wait a minute, they might have something here. Mm -hmm. We just cannot yeah. stand for this. So, well, and and you you know her well, uh, Dr. Barbara Holmes, in her book. Oh yes, joy joy unspeakable, unspeakable contemplative yes. practices of the Black Church. Uh, you know, she has a whole chapter on <laughs> Black Lives Matter and protests. I mean, literally everything that you just said. <laughs> um, you know, protest is a form of prayer. Um, and, and I really, in 2018, in conversation with you and Dr. Ebony Marshall Terman, yeah, um, gave a talk at Greenbelt. I think I sent it to you. I don't know if I mm -hmm. sent it no, to you I remember not. that. Um, and it, it's all about, and we'll put this in the show notes, but it, it's called um, 
tell me what democracy looks like, um, black pneumatologies. So black mm -hmm. um, understandings of the Holy Spirit and, and the activity of the Holy Spirit in protest and right. demonstrations mm -hmm. and how in scripture, um, whenever God is about to act, basically mm -hmm. there's always the motif of chaos first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just before God creates the world, the world is a, a, a formless void, it's nothingness. And the spirit of God hovers over the deep. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, before God acts, there's always chaos, there's always formlessness. And, and if you look at, at these protests in many ways, there's plenty of chaos, there's plenty of formlessness, there's plenty of, 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 of order as well. But chaos should be um, an indicator for Christians that the mm. Holy Spirit is, is present. Right, right. And, and we'll keep the floor open um, for any more questions anyone might have. That was a great question. Um, so thank you uh, to our questioner for that. Yes. Um, so we're at the beginning of, um, of the new church year with the season mm -hmm. of Advent. Yep. And we're at the brink of a new year, 2021. Mm -hmm. So, so Dr. Johnson, I would love to hear, um, you know, people set New Year's resolutions, intentions for the new year, et cetera. I would love to hear what your dream for yourself and for other Black people is mm. um, in this new church year of Advent, but also in, in the new secular, secular, secular uh, year of 2021. Uh, wow, that's a great question, especially we are in the season of Advent, and um, I'm right in the middle of an Advent sermon series. But before mm. I answer that, I think we all got to uh, go back to our early calendars this January and, and, and look at what we were talking about for 2020. I think we need to just go. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember a whole lot of churches were like, 2020 vision, we're going to see our way through it, but, you know, and you know, um, wow. <laughs> and then COVID hit. And, um, and by the way, it did not have to be this bad anyway, but that's mm. another, that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but we'll have uh, you back. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got some things to say about that, mm -hmm. but I, I, um, uh, I'm in the middle of a um, sermon series. Uh, I'm titling it. It's Advent. So I'm using the Advent, um, text. Uh, I'm titling it um, Sitting in the Shadows, uh, Finding Faith in Frustration. And um, what I am doing is um, in, in the beginning of this church year, uh, I am recognizing the frustration that we have felt in 2020. Um, and, and the whole notion of anticipating and waiting um, so the first sermon um, two weeks ago was um, titled, and I'm titling the sermons and questions, right? So mm. first sermon was, is God an Uncle Ruckus? And mm. with Boondocks and um, <laughs> the cartoon, um, uh, and this whole notion of a Black God, if God is Black, is God Uncle Ruckus because of, you know, Black people? And I tied it into the... Um, 
understanding of um, who is um, being really affected disproportionately um, in COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the first one. And then last week, this past, well, it was yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday, um, I asked, so when you're coming, Lord? <laughs> mm. So this whole notion of from um, Second Peter, you know, divine timelessness and patience. Uh, but you can come on and, you know, speed it up. So um, we'll see what we're going to do the next couple of weeks. But uh, I want to recognize that people are frustrated. People are frustrated because they can't have family get-togethers. They can't mm-hmm. have parties. The holiday season is totally revamped. Yeah. And, and the frustration that's going to happen when somebody is going to say the heck with it. They probably won't say heck, but the heck with it. I'm just going to go and have my fun. I'm going to have my party anyway, and then get sick. Yeah. And then get others in their household or their loved ones sick, and then get frustrated about that. So yeah. the frustration is real. Um, I am, um, as a pastor, trying to, because we're not in the building, and um, the building is closed. The church is open. Uh, I said mm. that back in March, and so... We're not hanging out. We're not doing all of that, but we are trying to hold it together. And I'm recognizing that frustration that people are ready to uh, uh, celebrate. They're ready to do other things. Um, They're ready to get back to a regular working schedule. So I think in order for us to go into 2021, we have to, at least as as church leaders and uh, pastors, at least recognize the frustration that many in our churches are having right now in 2020. And then when we come out into 2021, um, the same God who held us in the midst of COVID, the same God who mm-hmm. held us in our frustration, the same God, you know, that held You're us. You're preaching now. The same God, you know. <laughs> the same God that opened up doors for us, even in the midst of a pandemic, the same God who protected us, the same God, and, and, and will take us into 2021 and beyond. So um, I am still um, um, thinking about what my first sermon is going to be, but if I had a message for the church in 2021 is that um, um, I think that people who went to the streets, people mm-hmm. who um, stood up for justice, even in the midst of a pandemic, um, they showed us something. They Mm. showed us about the care and the consideration of others. Still matters, even in the midst of a pandemic. So I just want to to, um, remind us that we still got work to do in 2021 and beyond, and we can do it. Hang on to our faith. And keep on keeping on. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being <laughs> our guest tonight and, and being such a, um, a solid, um, thorough, thoughtful, theological and academic voice and, and making that accessible to so many of us who are not in the academy. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much. This, this oh, is no a gift and, and such a reminder of of why I have such great admiration of you and um, 
you, you have just been such a huge part of my own um, development. And, and, and I, I am just so grateful to know you and, and so grateful for your work. So thank you for being with us. Thank tonight, you, Andre. Thank you. For three months, Mile High Theology has deliberately slowed down and sought to unpack big existential questions at the cross-section of the movement for Black lives, theology, and public policy. I hope your life has been enriched by the important work of all of our guests, Dr. April Alexander, State Representative Leslie Harrod, our guest last month, Dr. Pamela Leitze, and our guest this evening, the Reverend Dr. Andre Johnson. Beginning in January, we will build on this mini-series with a focus on art, beginning on Monday, January 11th, when writer, director, and filmmaker Manuel Aragon joins us to discuss one of my favorite short stories of his. Until then, please be safe and find creative ways to celebrate Christmas so we have a chance to celebrate in a more normal fashion in 2021. <laughs> Malhai Theology is produced by St. John's Cathedral and Episcopal Church in, in Denver, Colorado. To financially support the work of this podcast, visit sjcathedral.org forward slash give. That is sjcathedral.org forward slash give. I offer special thanks to our guest, the Reverend Dr. Andre Johnson, our communications director and producer, Evans Owsley, our Christian formation assistant, Christina Rutland, Cathedral Administrator Georgie Brooks Myrtle, Noah Glenn, who composed our theme music, and you, our loyal listeners. This podcast was recorded on the land of Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We give God great thanks for the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the present day state of Colorado. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to enhance Mile High Theology's dis digital visibility. Thank you. Happy Advent. If I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas. God bless you. See you in 2021.